Can you look at the person beside you and say, good morning, I'm so glad you are here. And if you are beside a loved one or family member, feel free to make this feel like a family and give them a big hug. Ayan. If you're not related to that person, at katabi mo lang, don't hug them, okay? If you're online, welcome. Welcome to the CCF family. We're gathered here today to look at God's word. And that's what we'll do. Are you guys ready to look at God's word? Let's do this. Let's answer the question that's on the screen right now. What's wrong with us? And here's how I want to answer that question. I want you to be honest with me. Everybody, all three floors, and even if you're online and we don't see you, engage us. Do this with me. How many of you learned God's design for sex in your families? Raise your hand. That's like five people. How many of us, us, learned about sex and things of that nature from, I will use the word, the streets, from classmates, from pornography, from all sorts of ugly junk? Raise your hands if that is you. Wow, there's a sea of hands. And even if you're online, this is probably happening to you as well. This, friends, is what's wrong with us. We're getting all sorts of junk from the wrong sources, and it's creating confusion and brokenness in us. So the question that you're seeing on the screen is, how can we make that right? You know, if I was to be honest with you, I learned about sex when I was about 9 or 10 through what you're seeing in that image, which is a VHS or Betamax. Some of you remember Betamax, right? And it was in a house. I saw it. I was curious. I plugged it in, and I saw pornography. And that poisoned me and damaged my views of sex very early on. So maybe like many of you, we've learned things like this that have created so much confusion and damage that we need to say, hey, this is what's wrong with us. We need to do something and make this right. So how can we make this right? Even as we look at the assigned passage today, which is 1 Corinthians 7, how can we make this right? My encouragement is to do something different. Many years ago, I uh, went to a clinic to have my eyes checked. Now, before that, I figured, you know, I have great vision. I could see clearly. I had no problems. So I felt I was great. But when I sat in that clinic where they do the standard tests, you know, like A, B, C, D, D, O, G, C, A, T, I love you. <laughs> you know the test, right? So they're doing the test, and I'm like, okay, I'm reading it. And then they start putting some lenses on. And as soon as they put a certain set of lenses on, I said, oh, wow. I did not realize that the world could look so different and so much clearer. I thought I had good vision. That's exactly what we would like to do today. Maybe for many of us, we've been viewing the world a certain way. We'd like to look at it starting today fresh. Can everybody say fresh? A fresh, new, clearer way to view things in our life, especially these touchy subjects on sex, marriage, relationships that Paul will unpack in 1 Corinthians 7. We're going to look at God's word and what he says to it so that it can be seen fresh. Are you ready? Look at the person beside you and say, it's time to be fresh. And we can start with your breath. Yeah. <laughs> so it's time to be fresh. Let's take a look. Let's see what God has to say about this in 1 Corinthians 7. And the way we're going to unpack this is we're going to use that acronym FRESH. First is we want to fix 
our mindset when it comes to sex. Second, we want to restore purity in God's design and then sanctify others. Finally, have undistracted devotion. And I put that in quotation marks for a reason because we'll unpack what does God have to say about this undistracted devotion. Are you guys ready? All right. So as we unpack this and look at God's word, I know Pastor Omar has already prayed, but I want to just bring this to the Lord because it's a, it's a heavy passage. And we're going to need the Holy Spirit to really speak to each one of us here, online, and maybe on demand at some point. So let's do that again. Father, we want to commit to you the time to look at your words so that that's exactly what will happen. Your words will speak to all of us, all of us who are already part of the CCF family and all of our guests who are here, who are online, who are watching this on demand, that every single person will hear your words and be changed by them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, so let's get started. Chapter 7. We're going to start off with verses 1 to 5, and I'd like to ask you to read this with me, guys. Let's go. 1.5x speed. Are you ready? Now, concerning the things about which you wrote, it's good for a man not to touch a woman, but because of immoralities, each man is to have his own wife, and each woman is to have her own husband. The husband must fulfill his duty to his wife. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, also the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. What are we seeing here as we look at it fresh? I want to remind us that as we heard from Pastor Ricky last week, chapter 6, and in the prior messages, there was something very ugly happening in the Corinthian church. We know that it was decadent. Immoral, but I want to remind you of just how immoral it is. Chapter 5, verse 1 reads this. It is actually reported that there is immorality among you, and immorality of such a kind as does not exist even among the Gentiles. Did you hear that? Amongst the Christian church in Corinth, there was immorality among them that is such a kind that does not even exist among the Gentiles. The people who are not Christians are doing all sorts of immorality in Corinthian, in the Corinth church, in the Corinthian region, but they were doing things even unheard of. So it was that bad. You know, we're told by scholars that there was not just premarital sex, fornication, adultery, homosexuality, but even polygamy and concubinage. So Paul is now saying, okay, guys, um, I want to speak to this. But after having unpacked this and looking at the body and the purity and how it belongs to the Lord, as Pastor Ricky unpacked for us last week, he says, I want to address specific letters you wrote to me. The things that you wrote, let me unpack this for you. So apparently... They ask questions such as this. Um, Is it good for a man not to touch a woman? And Paul says, yes, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Why would he say that? As he opens up with this fresh perspective, fixing our sex mindset, I want you to imagine a society where people are so fluid in sex. It's it's okay to have it with another person uh, that's not your, your, your married partner. It's okay to have it before marriage. It's okay to have it with the same gender. It's okay to have it with several people. It was very fluid. And it was even worse. There were some worse things happening in the church. So that's what's happening. And I want you to bring it to today. The reality is there's so much of this ongoing even today. So Paul first unpacks this and says, guys, to fix our mindset regarding sex, I want to remind you something. It's actually good to control your sexual urges. It's not if you feel it, just go for it. 
which is what was happening. So he's saying it's good for us to control these urges. And then he goes on. He says, I want to remind you that sex is actually a beautiful thing, but in the right context. Here's the context. Because of all this junk, all the immorality, I want to remind you, man, his own wife. Wife, her own husband. In other words, what is it saying? The beautiful design of sex, and it's a beautiful design, is supposed to happen in the context of one man, one woman, married. Are you with me? This is something we probably already know, but maybe for some people, we need to help remind ourselves because this is what he had to do. Fresh. This is how it's designed. In fact, for those that are in marriage, here's a reminder. Paul says the husband must fulfill his duty. Can everybody say duty? Duty to his wife. And the same with the wife to her husband. So when you frame it in this way, Paul is saying it's actually a responsibility you have. You need to do it. And what does that also mean? The truth is, and I want to be sensitive. Obviously, there are some circumstances where the wife just gave birth or there's some very sensitive damage and brokenness. Like my wife who came from tragic rape. So being able to deal with sex in a very holy way is a little bit more sensitive depending on the circumstance. But as a general rule, Paul is saying, husband and wife, I need to remind you because it's done in marriage, sex is a duty. So there may be some wives who will use sex as like ammunition or they will weaponize it and say, you know what? Galit ako sayo. Dahil galit ako sayo, mm. Closed for business. God is saying, if that's the reason you're doing that, then hmm, you need to remind yourselves that, hey, this is a responsibility. It is a duty. It is something you owe. In fact, it says the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does, and vice versa. The Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. To reinforce this point that, hey, when you look at sex, you actually are obligated to give that to your partner because it's done in that beautiful context. Are you following the text so far? Right? So for the men here, if you want a new pickup line to your wife, you can say, honey, reporting for duty. <laughs> Again, being sensitive to the circumstances that you are going through. So this is part of the mindset we need to fix as we're seeing Paul unpack so beautifully here. And then he carries on with something very interesting. After having said that, that it is a duty and a responsibility, he says, Corinthian church, people of God, stop depriving one another. Big word, except by agreement. So there's a condition so that you might devote yourselves to prayer. So for prayer and fasting week at CCF, unfortunately, if you are going to subscribe to that, you want to say no sex, that's when you can do it, for example. But here's something very interesting. When I looked at the text, and I found that this is a real situation even today. Some people, like the very sincere Christians at Corinth, were thinking, dahil ang dami kong dinaanan, sexually, that is so bad and not according to God's design. It's so junky. Now that I am married and now that I am a Christian, I feel like it's dirty. I feel like it's not okay to have this beautiful encounter with my spouse. You understand what I'm saying? And there are people who are like that and we've counseled people like that. So what is Paul saying? You know what? You might think it's the holier thing to not have sex because of all the stuff you've been to with your spouse. 
It's not, it's holier not to have sex with your spouse. But Paul is saying, guys, that's not biblical. That's not holy. It doesn't mean that just because you've had all these past experiences that God cannot make it holy and beautiful and pure and wonderful in the context of marriage. Are you seeing what the text is trying to tell us? So it should not be an excuse for you to say, Alamo feeling ko bad I feel like it's dirty and ugly because of all the stuff I've been through, so I cannot enjoy it with my spouse. The Bible is saying, actually, no, you're supposed to not deprive each other because that's part of what is beautiful in marriage is to enjoy sex in that context. And I, God, can make it beautiful. Are you guys following so far? So let's see how beautiful it is. I wanted to, to do that, and, and as I do. One fresh reminder for all of us, in case it's not apparent. Yes, marriage is designed beautifully. One man, one woman, husband and wife in that context. But it's also there to protect us. Look at that. It's not to tempt us. And that's the truth. For many men here, red-blooded males, part of the way you can protect yourselves is to have sex. And that God uses that as a protection. So let's look at how beautiful it can be if we're able to follow this design. And let's be, let's be very, very honest and real. I told you about my own issue and how I learned it through the streets, junky stuff. It is hard to help see it fresh. So I want you to imagine that this is your first time to learn about sex. Journey with me. What will it look like? Let's say you do not know. I love how the Bible unpacks this so beautifully. So pretend that all of that junk and garbage does not exist in your life and you're seeing it with God's lenses for the first time. Look at how beautiful it can be. Song of Solomon. You have made my heart beat faster, my bride. You have made my heart beat faster. Isang tingin lang, with a single glance of your eyes, with a single strand of your necklace. How beautiful is your love, my bride. How much better is your love than wine. Your lips, my bride, drip honey. Honey and milk are under your tongue and the fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of Lebanon. Isn't it so beautiful? It's so beautiful because the truth is the pleasures from sex are multisensorial. It is so, so beautiful as God has designed it. Touch, taste, smell, all of these senses God has built into us so that we can fully enjoy it and experience all of that in the context of sex as God has designed it. Are you following so far? It is such a beautiful thing. Everyone say beautiful. Sex is beautiful in the right context. So I pray that this helps remove the junk as you realize, wow, it's such a beautiful thing. And what's interesting about this, scholars will say, this was written by Solomon with his first wife when it was pure. Because as we know, Solomon had many others afterwards. So I loved how this passage actually demonstrates how beautiful it is. And here's another one. That shows how beautiful it is. For this reason, we know this verse, verse 24, a man shall leave his father and his mother, be joined to his wife, they shall become one flesh. But look at 25. And the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. Do you know why I love this verse? And I'll be the first to say as many men here, because we have junk that we bring into our even marriages. It is so beautiful that the reality is when you first come together and you're ready to have sex, it should be like this, naked and not ashamed. Hindi yung parang, oh, nako, baka kasi yung dating kasama niya, the person he had sex with before, looks different, or you know, I'm not sure that it feels right because I had experiences in the past and I don't know, I, I feel I feel a little bit ashamed. You know, God saying, 
in its beautiful context, you can come together and say, you know what? Not a shame. It's so pure. It is one of, if not the most vulnerable and intimate acts we can share together as husband and wife. So how? How can this happen? We need to make sure, and I'll speak to the gentleman here, that our wife feels safe and protected. How do we help make sure that our wife feels safe and protected? And I'm speaking from the vantage point of someone who's married, somebody who's been through some sexual trauma. How can we help them feel safe and protected? We need to be honest with ourselves and say, what is the junk in my system or in my lifestyle that could be preventing us from having this beautiful, intimate moment together as husband and wife? Could it be some couples we know brought pornography into the marriage bed, literally, because they thought that that's how they could help make it spicy or make it more exciting because they didn't know. Again, the world and all the junk. So what I'm encouraging you to do, if that's you, obviously remove that. Do not put that into the equation. And you can do something like this. You know, for me, one of my major turning points as I try to remove the junk and see it with fresh lenses and try and make sure that going into the marriage, we could have this wonderful, pure experience was when, um, when I first met my wife back in college. So she was not my wife then. And I remember I was interested in her and I wanted to pursue her. And as I was interested in pursuing her, I asked around and they said, yep, she's a super, super, super nice girl. Edric Ingatan man, be very careful. I'm like, okay, don't worry. I'm just, I just want to be your friend, right? I'm interested in her. And then it came to a point where I felt like I was getting the same vibe that she was interested in me. So we were chatting, becoming friends. And I said, all right, all right. I got her telephone number. Walapang cell phone nun. And then I said to her, hey, um, I want to call you later if that's okay. And I want to tell you something very important to me. In other words, I wanted to tell her, hey, I like you more than a friend. And I wanted to see if she would say the same thing, right? So she says, oh, great. Yeah, you can call me later. And I have something important to tell you as well. So I was like, yes, something important. I thought she was going to tell me I like you as well. So fast forward, I make the call. Dial and dial. Those who don't know, dial. Dial the phone. She picked up. I'm like, hey, Joyce. Like, hey, Edric. And so weird. Hey, how are you? And then I was like, um, so that thing, that important thing I, that, uh, that you wanted to say, that I wanted to say, do you want to go first or me or you? It's like, no, I'll go ahead. And she then unpacked. She says, um, Edric, when I was 15, something happened to me. I was raped by several men because they came into our house. They wanted to steal stuff. And I was a victim of that. I haven't told many people, but I want to tell you because you're a friend. I was not prepared for that answer. And you know what? That wrecked me. I was deep into pornography. We didn't have internet, so I had stashes of magazines. I had Betamax and VHS. I was so, so disgusted with myself. I said, I really did not know how to respond to that call. I said, it's because of people like me and this ugliness that innocent 15-year-old girls like her never kissed anybody, no boyfriend, so pure, can be damaged. So I share this to all of you because that became, for me, part of the breakthrough for me to get past that brokenness and realize this is not okay. I was talking to some other men, and for many men, some people even say, it's okay. You know, we were 
uh, doing a parenting seminar and one of the questions asked by the mom was she said, how do I talk to my sons who are into pornography when my f- husband is saying it's okay because that's normal for boys? Do you understand what I'm saying? Again, we need to see it fresh. We need to see how ugly these things can be, how poisonous they can be. And this is for all of our sin. When we finally see how ugly and wretched and distorted these things are, then we can be ready for God to say, okay, let me now heal you. Let me give you these fresh perspectives so that then you can move forward. Are you following so far? This is part of how we can see sex differently. Look at the junk. What are these things? Could it be you are struggling with a sin right now and what you need to do is say, this is ugly and horrible. I need to remove this so that I can move forward by God's grace. So, first point, fix our sex mindset. Let's move on. Here we go. Verse 7. So Paul carries on, yet I wish that all men were even as I myself am. However, each man has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is not good for them if they remain even as I. But if they do not have self-control, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. What is Paul saying here? He says, I wish that all men were even as I myself am. And when we look at this first set here, or this first set of words, parang is he saying, I want you all to be single like me? Is that what Paul is saying? What do you think? No. He just talked about how marriage is a beautiful thing. You can enjoy sex there. What he is saying is very interesting. He's saying two things here. The first is he's saying, you know what? If you are single, raise your hands if you guys are single. Single here. Wave them at me. Wave. Singles. All of you singles. Uh, my kids there also singles online. You don't have to wave. I can't see you. Singles. Part of what Paul is saying, hey, hey, in your current state, are you content? Because it is a calling. Or are you saying, I'm not complete yet. I need to be married for me to be complete. Paul is saying, I wish that you were as I myself am. Look at what God is able to do in and through me as a single person. It's a very special calling. So many of the singles here, this is part of the thought you want to have is, are you complete right now? The second part of his thought is this. He says, however, each man has his own gift from God. So as he's expounding on what he's saying, what, why does he mean when he says, I wish that you were all as I myself am? He says, each man has his own gift. Now this word gift gives us a little bit more insight into what Paul is saying here. I wish you were single so you could experience the benefits and thrive and be content in this season because there's much you can do. And you'll see this all throughout chapter 7. But he's also saying, you know what? Here's a thought that I have for you also. It is that there is a gift that God gives. What is this word gift? In the Greek, this word is charisma. Can you all say charisma? What is charisma? Charisma is the gift that God gives to a single person to remain sexually pure. So he's saying... I wish that you were all as I myself am, enjoying the single state if you are single, but also able to stay pure. He's saying, I desire and my prayer with all the junk around us and the sexual fluidity that in marriage, enjoy it. But if you're not married, stay pure. I need for us to restore purity. So beautiful. 
Now, what is Paul saying? I want to just unpack this elephant in the room. Paul says, if they do not have self-control, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Is Paul saying, ah, this is the main reason you should get married, singles. If you can't hold back, then get married. Is that what Paul is saying? No. That's not the main reason you get married. You need to be married because God has called you to it. And there's so much more to that. What he's saying here is you need to also check a few things, right? The Bible says if your eye causes you to stumble, then gouge it out. So if that is a problem for you, that could be a reason. Are you following? It could be. But that's not the main reason people get married. Hindi ko Married na lang Are you following so far? And also, it could be that the reason you have issues is, well, maybe you need to ask a hard and honest question. The Bible says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Could it be that your issue is self-control? And that's why you're not able to control those sexual urges. So that is a thought to just unpack this elephant because people might be thinking, oh, hey, me verse 9, I should get married because I'm single, I can't control it. That's not what the Bible is saying. Let's go a little deeper in how beautiful purity should be. Fresh lenses. I love this verse. Paul is speaking to young Timothy and he's saying, if you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. It'll be clean. You'll be ready for the master to use you for a very special thing. So for all the young people, all the single people, stay pure and watch God use you specially. How can we do that? Paul tells us, Run, everybody say run. And Pastor Ricky unpacked that with the example of Joseph last week, etc. Run from anything that does that. But I found this as a very important practical consideration as well. Enjoy the companionship. Companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Now, what I've seen as very effective also when we look at this is we need to remember we do not journey alone. Can you say alone? When I was young, single, and the first D group or first, it was called cell group back then of men, to show you how powerful this is, if you're struggling with this and you want to restore purity, you need to make sure you're surrounded by people who are, what does it say, who also call on the Lord with pure hearts. So people have the same desire. So I was surrounded by men, and some of them might be even here right now and are watching online. And we said, you know what, since we're struggling with purity, let's have a deal. Next week, whoever struggles with purity, pitek. You know, So one week, nobody did, but the next week or so, guys, pitek na lang. It wasn't working. So we said, all right, we need to step it up. If you struggle next week, sapak. So more than one week, two weeks, three weeks, wala. Kasi masakit eh. Ang lalaki na makasama. They're all big guys, right? So we're like, all right, no sapak. But after two, three weeks, guys, sapak na lang. It was working, but not as effectively. So they said, all right, we were all young, just starting our jobs. We said, let's level it up even more. Hindi na sapak, pera. You have to pay. So how pera? So that was like a month and a half. Month and a half, nobody wanted to pay because money was hard and you would have to double up each time you messed up, but it still didn't work. So the point I'm making is it's important to journey together, but here's an added principle. We learned that we weren't experiencing victory And when we heard this one pastor preach and said, if you really want to experience victory in the area of purity, do not focus on the problem. We were so focused on this. What do we do about this, 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 this? Pitek, sapak, pera. It wasn't working. He said, focus on the solution. 
Who is the solution, friends? Jesus. So very practically speaking, we poured ourselves out to do all sorts of ministry. I don't know if you'll believe me. I joined the music ministry and I never did that again. Sports, forming D groups, right? everything I could so that our holy energy was expended and there would be nothing left for the temptation. Are you following me so far? So we focus on the solution. Jesus, what can I do for you? How can I serve you? How can I love you more? What can I do? Because I'm still single. There's so much I can do. And when we do that, that, friends, with the sharing I gave earlier about the ugliness of the sin and the beautiful solution and the focus on that, by God's grace alone, by God's grace alone, I shared with you the brokenness with pornography, but I'm standing in front of you today, porn-free, by the grace of God, thanks to those things. Praise the Lord. So it's so important. We can restore purity. Look for people who are same-minded. We have a D-group family system in CCF. Be part of one so that you can journey not alone. Now, some are thinking, well, you know what? I, you don't know what I'm going through. It's a very unique situation. The Bible says, when it comes to purity, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And he's faithful. He will only tempt you, he will not tempt you beyond what you are able, and he'll also provide an escape so that you'll be able to endure it. So I want to just get this elephant out of the room as well. For some of us, to restore purity, we are thinking, well, it's, it's, I just keep falling into this pornography or this sex with my, not my wife. You know, all of these different distortions that seem to be acceptable. I want to share really quick, Mr. Basketball. Um, I was talking to a person very recently. Let's call him Mr. Basketball. He was part of a, a basketball team. A very good one. And apparently back in the day, part of the tradition was the coach would bring this basketball team to a sauna. And back in the day, the sauna was not just a massage place. That's where you would have sex also. Very dirty, distorted system that was happening in the culture. So coach brings the team and he feels so pressured because he doesn't want to do it. What did the Bible say? There's always an escape. So he goes in, he's pressured. The team's going there, and apparently there are numbers on the board, and you have to choose a number, and then you get assigned to a room with a masseuse there. And he was like, what number do I choose? He's like, okay, this is my jersey. I'll just choose that. He goes into the room, and he's thinking, how do I escape? Because he's now getting tempted. He's thinking, well, they're all doing it, so maybe I'll do it. I'm not sure. So he's right there. He's thinking, what do I do about this temptation? Virgin. This guy did not have sex yet. All pure. So he's there. And in that moment, do you know God's way of escape? He was telling us, and we had a great laugh. As the masseuse enters the room, sabi niya, buti na lang, hindi ko siya type. So he did not have any attraction, that didn't happen, and after that, he found the escape, he just had a massage, and then he talked to his buddies afterwards, and even the coach, and he said, oh, I, I had a good time. He didn't explain what the good time meant while everybody else did that. So I'm sharing that because God can provide an escape. He will always provide an escape. The question is, will we take it? Let's move on. Number three. What are we learning so far? F is fix our sex mindset, our thoughts about it. See it fresh. Letter R-E is restore purity. The next is now S, sanctify others. It's a little bit heavy, so I need you to work with me here. Are you guys ready? To the married, I give instructions, not I, but the Lord, that the wife should not leave her husband. It's very clear. 
But if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And that the husband should not divorce his wife. So very clearly, if we are married, just as a reminder, there is no exit. God hates divorce, he tells us in Malachi 2.16. And Jesus says in Mark 10.9, what, what God has put together, let nobody put asunder, should not break it up. So clearly, if you're in marriage, do that. Now here's where it gets interesting. But to the rest I say, not to the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever, someone who's not a Christian, not of the same faith, so you are a man and you have a wife who's not a believer and she consents to live with him, it also says, don't divorce. And then it says, if you are a woman who is a Christian, and then your husband is not a Christian, he consents to live with her, she must not send her husband away. So, not divorce as well. So let's be clear here. When Paul nuances this, I'm a Christian married to someone who's not a Christian, he's speaking to them in that context already. They're already married. Are you following? It's not before you get married, and then you choose to have an unbelieving partner. Are you following? So married guy with an unbelieving partner or not a Christian or married girl with a non-Christian partner. What should you do? The Bible tells us, fresh lens in case it's not clear, don't leave, stay. And I'll be careful here because a lot of different situations are happening. There's a lot of hurt and a range of different situations. So I'm just being a messenger of this truth. If you are in this context as a general guide from the Bible, stay. So the question is why? Why stay with someone who's not of the same faith if I'm already in this context? What if there's something going on? The Bible says something very beautiful. Here's what it says to elevate the perspective. It says, for the unbelieving husband, and I found this very fresh and refreshing, is sanctified, the Bible says, sanctified through his wife. And the unbelieving wife is sanctified through her believing husband. So the husband is sanctified, it says, through his wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified through her, un- through her believing husband. What does this mean? It's so refreshing to realize the reason we should stay, if that is the nuance, Christian, not a Christian, is because I have the opportunity to sanctify. Can everybody say sanctify? What does this word mean? Sanctify is this beautiful word, in the Greek text, and I wanted you to realize how powerful and beautiful it is. It is the word hagiatso. Can everybody say hagiatso? What does hagiatso mean? To make holy. It's such a beautiful word that this same word is the name that God uses in the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be thy name. That's the same word. Hagiatso. You can make them holy to set them apart for God to use them. Are you following so far? So as we've come to Christ, we are pure, we have been washed, we become hagiatso, set apart. But we have the opportunity to also help them come to that point. We don't make them holy by being married to them. Christ is the one that makes them holy. Are you following? God makes them holy. But we have the opportunity to say, you know what? Because I will choose to stay, I have the opportunity to bless you. To help you come to know the same Jesus that has changed my life. That's why you stay. Are you following so far? To sanctify them. Ha giatso. So beautiful. Now, here's an added insight. When you look at the passage, it says, sanctify to husband, for otherwise your children are unclean, but now they are hagiatso. They're holy. What does this mean? Paul is stretching the thought 
for the Corinthian church and for all of us, he's saying, you know what? It's not just sanctifying the, ch- the parent, the husband and wife that is happening, but there's a powerful opportunity for you if you are the Christian in your home to sanctify your children, to help bless them and make them holy. Now, let's be very real also. Let's please make sure that as you're thinking about doing this, you are not the reason that they are stumbling. Because you are a Christian, there is greater pressure for you to show that you are indeed a Christian. How are you with your temper? Are you hammering them down with God's word and forcing this upon them? Or by your life and the way you love them and care for them in a Christ-like way, they're able to see that. Are you following so far? That is what's important here. We need to make sure that they see that and we can be a blessing to them, to our spouse who might not be a believer or to even our children. So I said that this must happen in the context of marriage because some people might think, if I can do that, I will marry an unbeliever and then sanctify them after. Puede bayon? The Bible says no. It says to be, do not be bound together with unbelievers for what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness. In other words, no. If you're thinking, I can sanctify them after, that's not God's instruction. He is saying, if you are in that situation already, that's how you can frame it. But if you're not yet married, do not marry someone who's not a believer. Now, Let's judge this even further as we wind down our time together. When Paul says sanctify your spouse, you can even sanctify your children, Jesus elevates it even further. He says, hey, we can sanctify others, office mates, schoolmates, other relatives. So do we have this mindset of sanctifying others? The Bible tells us, Paul tells us in Philippians, look at each other's more important than yourself. Look at their interests of others and say, how can I be a blessing to you? Look at the person beside you right now and say, how can I be a blessing to you? Go. How can I be a blessing to you? This is the thought process that Paul is saying, stretch it. You can sanctify your spouse, children, but you can do that. And as we look at this, I want to now invite a a, a dear sister who will share a little bit more on how can we sanctify others? What if it's very, very difficult, even in the marriage context? How can we do this? Jesus says, I I I give you a new commandment. I want to elevate this thought of sanctifying blessing, making others holy. Do it as I have done for you. Let's invite our dear sister, Lisa Sison. Let's welcome her, guys. Good morning. My name is Lisa Season, and this is God's story in my life. In early 2018, I found out that my husband has been cheating on me for five years already. In an instant, my life was destroyed. I was sleepless and in shock. I could not think or feel anything. I could not even cry. My husband moved out of our house soon after. I became angry, bitter, and unforgiving. What filled my heart came out of my mouth. Vileness, darkness, and so much negativity. The work of the enemy was achieving his purpose to destroy my 30 plus years testimony as a Christian. Others used to see my marriage as their hashtag marriage goals or 
hashtag relationship goals. But now, I was pulling others down with me as I kept blurting out so much bitterness. It must have been tiring, offensive, and burdensome to be in my presence during those times. Even my family stopped wanting to be around me as I was rubbing on them so much negativity. I felt very far from God. In time, I started to hate myself for what I have become. I was cursing my husband and asking God to deal with him with a heavy hand. But the Lord showed me that I was causing my children to commit sin and being a stumbling block to their spirituality when I became jealous of the way they treated their dad and made them feel guilty if they showed love, respect, and a desire to be with their dad on special occasions. The Lord convicted me of my own sin of unforgiveness and of not being the forgiven and therefore forgiving woman with a gentle and quiet spirit he called me to be. The Lord led me to fast and pray. As I did, I believe this was God's message for me. Number one, step back. Because dealing with the situation is God's work. He is the God of justice, Malachi 2.17. His command is, never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord, Romans 12.19. Exodus 14.13 says, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you. Number two, without a word. I do not need to vent my anger and fight it out with my husband. God will fight this battle for me. And of course, God will win. Exodus fourteen fourteen. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Number three, one day at a time. I can rely on the Lord's great faithfulness. His unfailing compassions are new every morning. Lamentations 3, 22 to 23. I will see the work of God in my husband's life. Whereas previously, I cursed my husband. I then began to pray for my husband's soul. That he would decide to make right his relationship with God. After prayer, fasting, and confessing my sin of unforgiveness, the Lord created situations where I could show my husband, my children, and grandchildren forgiveness, respect, honor, love, and a gentle and quiet spirit. Fulfilling my role as my husband's covenant wife. Once again, our Sunday family get-togethers, which stopped for more than a year because of what happened, resumed. Our conversations became cordial and pleasant. No more accusing or convicting words from me. That is not my job, but God's. 
I am amazed at how the Lord removed the once burning toxic hatred in my heart and exchanged it with his peace beyond understanding. Understanding what Jesus did on the cross for my sins enabled me to forgive someone who wasn't sorry and accept an apology I never received. I realized pag pinagpray ko pala the person who caused me so much pain, I'm able to forgive from the heart and be a channel of God's grace. To fully grasp the awesomeness of God's grace, I had to actually forgive as the Lord forgave me. Yung harap-harapan, alam mo, nagkakasala sa'yo. And yet, by the work of the Holy Spirit, it is possible to extend forgiveness and grace to your offender. After three years of resumed Sunday family get-togethers, uh, progressively attending family members' birthdays and reunions with my husband, my children experience progressive healing from the past bitterness and conflict. My husband told me three times that he wanted to come home to me, though he asked to be given time. But in 2021, during the pandemic lockdown, he came down with a serious strain of COVID. No one was allowed to visit him except my daughter, Sabs, who is a doctor at the hospital where he was confined in. My daughter was at his bedside before he was intubated, and my husband kept repeating, God is so good. God is so good. I know that he knew that he was forgiven, loved, honored, and respected by our children and grandchildren. And but God's grace me. My husband's last text to me was, I love you. At his online wake, all our children honored their father, our wider family and all our friends and his colleagues recounted happy memories of my husband loving and caring for me and our children. It was a healing experience. As a wife, I believe I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Second Timothy 4.7 Obeying God to forgive was key for me to heal, to have God's peace, and to fulfill my accountable share in my marriage covenant with Jesus, to be my earthly husband's suitable helpmeet in sickness, poorer, worse, till death did us part. The Lord has now brought me full circle to when it was just him and me, as Jesus' bride, Isaiah 54, 5. It is my prayer that he continue to help me finish well for the glory of my eternal bridegroom, Jesus Christ. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Tita Lisa. We have uh, Balu who will be joining her.
they're serving in the Praying Wives Forum, which is where we heard this powerful testimony and story. So why don't we just pray for her and Malu and this ministry of encouraging wives, Praying Wives Ministry. What a blessing. Let's extend our hands. Father, we thank you for stories you weave into our lives and for this powerful reminder for us that when we look at sanctifying others, part of the way we can do it is to forgive Thank you for giving Tita Lisa the grace to forgive. And as a result, she became a blessing to all of them, even to her husband in his final moments. We pray that as she said, now that she has come full circle, it's just you and her, Lord, that you will carry her forward. You'll find her faithful as she now continues to serve many other women together with Malu and the other wives in that ministry, that they can sanctify them as well, bless them, allow them to get to know you and allow them to heal through you. And impact so many others for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. God bless. Thank you, Tita Lisa. Thank you, Malu. So let's wrap this up. The final thing we want to talk about. So let's see what we're covering so far. F-R-E-S. F is fix our sexual mindset, our learnings. What do we know? R-E is restore purity. Restore purity. And then S is sanctify others and it could be that for us to do that we need to forgive so powerfully and beautifully as Tita Lisa has shared the final is closest to my heart and if we're to look at all of what Paul is saying through chapter 7 there's so many other even technical nuances about marriages and its various permutations which you can study on your own and if it's applicable to you and you have questions ask your small group leaders ask your pastor but this is how Paul closes And I found it beautiful because he elevates the whole conversation. Look at how he elevates it beyond just the marriage and the sex, giving us fresh lenses. He says, but this I say, brethren, the time has been shortened so that from now on, those who have wives should be as though they have none. And he says, those who weep as though they did not weep. Those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as though they did not possess. In other words, the stuff we have, the marriages we have are really not that important if we're to elevate our perspective. And he says, why? He says, because the world is passing away. And then he carries on. He says, I want you, this is my heart, Paul, to all of you, Christian church in Corinth, and to all of us now listening to this who are blessed by it, I want you to be free from concern. So I want you to step back right now in your lives as we're hearing all of these beautiful words of Paul and ask, what are your concerns? What are the things heavy in your heart right now? And Paul is saying, I want you to be free from these concerns. And then he unpacks it in the same context of marriage, etc. And he's saying, in the last verse in our time together, he says, this I say for your own benefit. I want to bless you. This is for you guys. He's saying not to put a restraint. You might think it's so limiting to just have one spouse to stay pure. That's so limiting. He's saying, no, no, I want to bless you, not restrain you. I want to promote what is appropriate and to secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. I promised I would explain why it's in quotation marks and this is why. Could it be that the main word of God for you today, live, online, or on demand, is the question, how is your soul? Have you been so busy? You've had no time for Jesus. So distracted with so many cares, challenges, and worries. When Jesus is saying, Shh. undistracted 
devotion to the Lord. And I'm going to close with this beautiful word here. The word devotion in the Greek is the word euprasedras. Can you say that with me? Euprasedras. One more time. Euprasedras. And this is how beautiful the words are. The words euprasedras or the word euprasedras is the word sit well beside. Sit well beside. So here's an honest question for you. Are you able to sit well beside Jesus? Are there distractions in your life and in your heart right now? He's saying, sit with me. Be with me. And I, I love this thought because as I close with you all, as we celebrated Counterflow last week and what God did, and we thank all of the amazing volunteers, hundreds of you who are serving, even the CCF team, we were all celebrating what God did there. But on Tuesday of this week, you're seeing me. I facilitated this panel on mental health with some amazing panelists. On my farthest right is a dear friend. His name is Gino Eleria, Coach Gino. On Tuesday of this week, Gino was um, serving God as he usually does together with his wife. They do their mental health coaching. And at um, about uh, 4 o'clock, he was feeling some weird things happening. So him and his wife were like, okay, I'm going to get ready. The wife was getting ready. And Gino's like, okay, you know what? I'm going to spend time just worshiping God right now. So he turns to the side. He starts playing his worship music. He spends time with God, undistracted devotion to God. His wife, Noreen, gets ready to go online. And as she's about to start at 4.30, Gina turns off the worship music so she can then go to the coaching. But at 4.30, as she gets started, she hears a gurgling sound. And she looks at Gino. Gino's having seizures. Shortly after that, after bringing him to the hospital, they tried to revive him. He passed away. Suddenly, Gino has two daughters homeschoolers. And I saw the daughter at the wake wearing the counterflow jersey because she said, this is the last thing my dad gave me. I want to hold on to it. And I'm sharing this closing story because even as Gino passed and we grieve with the family and I was there with them this past week, what a beautiful way to go. His last moments on earth. It's worshiping Jesus being with him. And I wanted to leave you with that thought. Such a beautiful picture. I do not know what you're going through, but God does. And he's saying, look at your life fresh. Fresh. And as we do that, could it be that the main thought is really, you need to have undistracted devotion. Just be with Jesus. On that note, Let's close in prayer. And we want to pray for some of our friends, our guests who are here, who have never met Jesus, so they don't know what this looks like. They've never sat with him. They've never given their life to him completely so that they can have this wonderful, beautiful devotion, sitting well beside Jesus. 
that can take them through their life. If that is you, I want to pray with you, and then we'll pray with everybody else. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that even if there are distortions and a lot of brokenness and ugly things surrounding the Corinthian church back then and even our church family today, that your truths still speak to us and you can give us fresh lenses so that whatever the ugliness or brokenness, we can see it new and we can respond better, experience your healing, your peace, and even just your presence as we're looking at this undistracted devotion. So we want to pray right now, Lord God, for some of our friends and guests who are here live, online, or on demand, and they've been looking for something. They've been looking for peace. Maybe they have marriage issues or relationship issues or distortions of sex or all sorts of problems and challenges, and they're looking for answers. If this is you, I want to invite you to pray right now. You can say something like this, dear God, I surrender my life to you. I need solutions from you. I need your words to speak to me and transform me. But in order for that to do to happen, I need to surrender. And that's what I choose to do right now. I surrender to you. And I receive your son Jesus into my life as my Lord and the Savior of my soul. I am sorry for all of my sins. And as I ask for your forgiveness for all of these sins, I thank you that your son Jesus paid the price for all of them. And because he did then, and finally, I can sit well with you. I can sit well with Jesus. I can have peace and I can have perspective in my life. So I thank you and I receive that and I look forward to the journey I have ahead now that I've chosen to do this. And now we pray, Lord God, for all of us that we would all indeed, the same way we prayed earlier, be changed by your words, taking some fresh perspective and applying this in our lives. Lord God, help us to go about our lives in an unhurried manner that even if we are faithful in doing all these things, we're able to have undistracted devotion to your son, Jesus. Hear our prayer, Lord God, so that as we finish our time here on earth, just like we learned from even that story in the life of Gino. We can finish well, and you can say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. That is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Hello, CCF family. Welcome to Sunday Fast Track, where you ask real-life questions and we give you biblical truths. I'm Joy Tanchi Mendoza, and we're here today with our speaker, my husband, Pastor Edric Mendoza, to answer some of your questions. How can a wife submit to her husband when the reality is she's lost respect for him because of maybe infidelity, abuse, or just bad behavior? I think you should answer this question <laughs> because it's about the wife, but... This is something I did touch on earlier, right? That the, the, the beauty of how God works is even if a wife is in this situation, right? Where she feels like, I, I can't get the respect back because of something you've done. Biblically, we remind ourselves that we do what we do for our spouse, not for their mm-hmm. sake, but ultimately for the Lord's sake. That, that's very clear in Ephesians. Wives are to submit to their husbands as to the Lord. So ultimately, the Lord's our boss. So I'm going to, Show this respect to my husband, even if it's seemingly something he does not deserve at all, but I will do it because I'm doing it for the Lord. And if you heard the testimony of our dear sister, Lisa, that's a great example. She said, even if the husband did not ask for forgiveness, did not apologize, she chose to forgive him anyway. And that was powerful because 
it actually worked something in her. And when it transformed her, she then became a blessing even to him and to all of the children and family around him. So let that be an encouragement for you as well. Even if it seems like it's hard to respect, remember who you really are respecting and giving it and doing it for. And then when you choose to do it, even when it's difficult, you watch what God will then do as a bonus and as a byproduct of that. And I think in First Peter chapter 3, it says that husbands can be won over without a, without a word by mm-hmm. the behavior of their wives. Thank you so much, Pastor Edric. Oh, so weird here. You can say honey bunch, <laughs> okay, honey. sweetie pie. And before we close, for all the families out her. there who would like to learn and bond and grow their relationship at home, we invite you to join our Across Motivate Family Camp happening on October 6 to 8 at the MMRC in Batangas. So to sign up, visit the CCF Across Ministries Facebook or scan the QR code on the screen See See you there. there. And that's it for Sunday. Fast track. God bless you all. Wow.